Hey, teachers, before we get started, we have a quick announcement. We're really excited because registration is open for our new summer workshop, Limitless Potential, an Enneagram Roadmap for Educators. One of our highest callings as an educator is to discover and develop potential. We love recognizing an undeveloped strength in ourselves or in our students. We all love witnessing those light bulb moments when we can literally see potential come to life. In this workshop, you will learn about the tool of the Enneagram. You're not just going to learn your type. You're also going to learn the key to understanding yourself and others in ways that will help improve your relationships, communication, classroom motivation and management, and ways to help reduce the effects of trauma. The more we understand people, the more we can change lives for the better. We'd love to see you June 6, 2024 in Dubuque, Iowa. For more details, head to our website at inspiredtogetherteachers.com. Do you want more happiness in your work and home life? Don't we all? In today's episode, we're going to talk about research-based ways to up your happiness game. You are in charge of creating your own happiness. Hey, teachers, have you struggled to balance your work life and your home life? Do you want to make a difference and still feel like you can be present and purposeful in your life outside of school? Welcome to the Inspired Together Teachers podcast. This is not your typical professional development. We focus on you, not strategies to teach content. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators with the passion, knowledge, and experience to support you as you navigate the challenges of our profession. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's set the stage. What do we know about happiness? In the past few years, positive psychologists have really worked on researching happiness. And there's a lot of good facts and information. I'm going to share just a few of those things with you today. I don't want to bore you with all the research, but I'm going to give you some highlights that will let you know how they have learned what helps to make us happy. Uh, first of all, there is a very long and detailed study that has been going on for 75 years of Harvard graduates. And they're looking at how do they live out their lives and what makes them happy and when are they happy? and when are they not happy? One of the things that they found is that happiness is love, that having love in your life, having partners, having friends, having relationships with people at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. And what I love about that study is they followed people into their 90s. This wasn't just a short-term study. And when you can follow people all the way into their 90s and come up with the idea that happiness is love, full stop, wow, that tells you something really important. Another big study was Robert Emmons at the University of California, Davis, and he had two groups of participants keep a list. One group kept a list that was a gratitude list. And so every day they were asked to write down things that they were grateful for. And the other group kept a hassles list of all the things that were irritating to them. And what he found was that those who kept a gratitude list were not only happier, but they had fewer symptoms of physical illness. They exercised an average of one and a half hours more per week, and they were more likely to offer emotional support to others. Gratefulness also decreased negative emotions and increased their life satisfaction. And amazingly enough, it even increased their quality of sleep. A third study is the study of University of Kentucky, uh, where they studied the Sisters of Notre Dame. Again, they took a group of nuns and they studied them for many years, and they were looking at levels of positivity. They were able to notice that the positivity that particular nuns had at age 20 predicted which ones would live 
live a longer life. Nuns kept diaries and those who had more positive comments and things that were just affirmations and things that they were enjoying about the world lived an average of 10 years longer than those who were either neutral in their comments in their diaries or those who were negative about what was happening in their life. They found that 90% of the happiest nuns at age 20 were still alive at age 85. 35% of the least happy nuns were still alive at 85. And I think that's a pretty conclusive thing to say that if you're happier, you live longer. And that's what that study really is all about. Thanks, Michelle, for sharing that research. It's amazing when you think about that, when they do these longitudinal studies of people's lives and to say 90% of the happy 20-year-olds were still alive at 85, but only 35% of the unhappy ones were still alive at 85. I mean, that's crazy if you think about it like that. That's enough to make you want to get happy. (laughs) So let's make that our next talking point. How about creating happiness? How do we do that? There's not just a magic way to do that, but there is actually a simple way if we take the time to do it, and that's creating a mindset shift. Many teachers have read the work of Sean Aker, and we are particularly drawn to his work. There's a book called Happiness Advantage that he wrote. One of the key takeaways for us from that book is he says being successful doesn't lead to being more positive, but being positive leads to being more successful. And so many of us want success in our home life and our personal life, our work life. We can't just say, well, if we're successful, we're going to be more positive. It's actually the opposite. If we're more positive, we'll be more successful. So simple and yet so complex at the same time, right? Because this isn't about faking happiness. You know, you don't want to just walk around and pretend like there are no problems in the world because that's not going to work for anyone. But happiness is the belief that we don't need to change, but it's the realization that we can. We can change. That brings us happiness. And understanding that fact is really powerful too, because, you know, if you're sort of miserable in your life and you think this is just the way it is, I'm going to have to live with it. No, Sean Aker says you get to control that. And that is powerful once you understand that that's your power to do that. You can't always change all the terrible things that might happen in your life or in the world for that matter, but you can change how you react to those things and how you learn to control what you can and how you connect to more positive things that help you alleviate the pain of some of the things. Lots of things that you can do about that. And so amazing that we have that in our power. We often don't think about that, but we can be creating our own happiness right now. At any moment, we can be creating our own happiness. Lori Santos is another happiness researcher. She works for Yale and she says we're entitled to and capable of much more joy than we have settled for. Her statistics say that 50% of the happiness that we feel is genetic and only 10% of our mood is dictated by what happens to us. The rest of that, if you add it up 50 and 10, you're seeing there's 40% left over. Well, that 40% is the part that is in our control. It's possible to rethink our mindset and we can rewire our brain. The data suggests that becoming happier is a lot like learning to play a violin or row It's not impossible. You just have to commit to practicing. We love so many of these happiness quotes. We always say practice makes permanent. So the more you practice something, you're not going to become perfect, but it's going to become more permanent. If you practice happiness, then happiness becomes more a part of your everyday life. 
Yeah, that is connected to how we can rewire our brains with neuroplasticity. And there's been so much exciting research in the world of neuroplasticity and brain research in general in the past 20 years or so. But we can change our brain by adding new pathways. If you think of a path, you can imagine that the more you walk over a path, the stronger the path becomes. I have a story that I always use when I talk about neuroplasticity. We built a house out in the country on my husband's farm. And one day we were just sort of exploring the back 40 and we were walking down a hill and there was all kinds of brush and shrubs and grass up to our hips. And suddenly there appears this path and it went down the hill and there were like stone steps that led us all the way down to the bottom of the hill. And I was like, this is amazing. What is this pathway? Well, come to find out that for many years, that field had been the home of cattle and cattle would go down that hill to the stream at the bottom. And over many, many years, they followed the same path. And now there's no grass, no shrubs. And what's left is a solid path. That's exactly like the pathways in our brain. The more you use them, the thicker and stronger they are. And if you don't use them, many times those pathways are actually eliminated. They waste away and they're gone. Like the pathway that you're talking about, the pathways in our brains are developed by those habits that we repeatedly do or those thoughts that we're always thinking. So the more we repeat something over and over, the stronger it gets. Why wouldn't we fill those thoughts with happiness and be very intentional about creating happy thoughts so those pathways are getting ingrained in our brain in a happy way instead of a negative way? Yeah, if you keep looking for all of the negative things in your life, your brain is constantly searching for danger. Your brain will recognize something negative or something bad or something dangerous and it becomes a well-worn path. That path is strong, so suddenly you will see all the bad in the world. But the opposite of that is also true. If you're focusing on the positive things that you see, then you're training your brain to look for more positive things. Sean Aker says creating positive brains makes us more motivated, efficient, resilient, creative, and productive, which drives productivity production upwards. Why wouldn't you want to look for the positive? We all have the power to be more fulfilled and successful in the things that matter to us by thinking happier thoughts and creating happiness pathways in our brains. It's amazing. And so you're probably thinking now, well, what are some things I can do? How can I get those happiness paths? How can I pave that so that I have a stronger pathway towards happiness? And there are a number of steps that you can do to create those pathways. One of the ways is by Jose Lim and Bryant in a New Zealand study. And they found that one of the best possible ways to increase happiness is by savoring. They're talking about savoring of experiences, talking to another person about how good you feel. You're just in the moment, you're savoring it. Uh, Maybe you're thinking about how lucky you are, how well something's going. Maybe you're recapping a positive experience for others. We've all had the experience of sharing a story or something funny or something memorable with other people and the telling of it brings back a rush of good feelings for us. Laughing does the same thing. You've all felt the power of laughter to connect and make you feel good. Another thing is to tell yourself that you're proud. Okay, This is going to sound really silly. Mel Robbins has a book called The High Five Habit. And I attended a workshop with her and she taught us to do this little exercise to increase your sense of happiness and feel your own power. She said, every time you go in the bathroom, just look at the 
mirror and give yourself a high five. And she said, just a high five is enough. Or if you want to, you can say, you know, great job, girl, or keep going or, you know, whatever you want to say something positive. I laughed. I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then I tried it for about a week. Like it was really easy and it takes about two seconds. It was, this is kind of cool. And now I actually do it. It's like this little jolt of positivity that I give myself every single day. You could also tell yourself that you're proud of yourself. How often do we tell ourselves that we're proud of ourselves? Walking out of a meeting where you did really well is your first thought to say, I'm really proud of myself. Maybe not, but it could be. When we saw Brendan Burchard at this conference that we have talked about in other episodes, he says that when he walks into a room, he thinks, I'm going to bring the joy. And by walking into that doorframe, he crosses over and that's a threshold of saying, here I come, I bring the joy. What if we did that even for ourselves or for other people? When I walk out of that room, I'm going to tell myself I am proud, focusing on and enjoying that present moment when we do something really well. That's all part of savoring the experience and the moments. Don't you love how simple these things are? I mean, this is not rocket science, even though it is neurological science, but these are not hard to do and they're not expensive to do and they don't require a lot of training to do. They're little tiny habits that you can pick up and implement easily. Absolutely. There's so much written out there about happiness. A large part of it comes with how you treat your body. So getting enough sleep, exercising, meditation, any of those things that are taking care of your body can actually increase your happiness as well. Another thing you can do is spend a little bit of time doing something that you love to do, something that absorbs you, something that just makes you feel good, that makes you feel happy. I think the busier we are, the more we think, well, I don't have time for that. Like, I love to read. And if I'm really busy, I may think, well, I don't have time to read because I'm too busy. But I'm thinking I have to read for an hour in my favorite chair with a cup of tea and relax. I don't always have the time to do that. But could I read for five minutes? Would that make a difference in my day? Would that give me a moment of pleasure. And I think we can all find small amounts of time that we can start to do something that we love to do. Maybe something you've done in the past that you forgot about, but you know you love to do it. Dance in your living room, get out the paintbrush and paint for 15 minutes. Find something that you love. Our culture has really started to focus more on experiences instead of things. And I think that's what you're talking about. If you look at so many malls now have less stores and more experiences, there's a place to paint with your friends. There's place to go in and take selfies, whatever it might be. Some of these storefronts that used to be a part of the malls now sell experiences. We're starting to realize how important that is to find and do something you love that is absorbing your time and doing it maybe with someone that you will really appreciate spending time with. That you know goes hand in hand with people saying, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, what about watching less TV or spending less time on social media? Media. Those are things that we don't intend to spend a lot of time on, but the time suck sort of creeps in. But thinking about using that kind of time intentionally to do something that really does fulfill you and not just fulfill the time. And maybe you take that time to plan something that you're looking forward to. I love to travel. Michelle loves to travel. We've traveled together uh, many times. Making the plans for me is so much fun. I find so much happiness in making travel plans. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but for me it is because I start thinking about all the things that are coming up. Plan something, whether it's a vacation or just a coffee with a friend that you can look forward to. That will increase happiness. 
I'd also add that you should think about using your strengths, using the things that come innately easily to you or things that you love or things that you've learned that you do well. And we usually feel really good when we use our strengths and we do things that are are just really fulfilling, but also that we're good at. If you're doing things that you're not particularly good at, sometimes that part is a stretch and you're not loving it. But then if you can follow it by doing something that you are good at, it feels good to use your strengths. I'll give you an example with Paul and I in this business. I do most of the back-end technological stuff, the coding on the website and things like that. It's not my gift and I know it, but I learned to do it so that we could do it. But I complained to Paul about it because it's not fun. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. But on the other hand, sometimes when I turn around and then I'm writing something, that part I like and I enjoy that part of it. So you know, finding the parts that you enjoy and recognizing that you're enjoying them. I think it's interesting that you bring up this business because one of our favorite things about this business is working with teachers. We love to do workshops. We love to get together. We love to just talk to teachers. That brings us so much happiness and joy. That's why as very little as we have to, we sit behind a computer because it's working with others that bring us joy. It's a natural high. I know when I leave a workshop, I'm usually just high as a kite. I love it. I'm excited. I can't sleep because it is so exciting to me and I'm so energized. Totally get that, Paula. That's a great example. And for anyone who's attended our workshops, we look like we get in our separate cars and drive away at the end of the day, but we're on the phone right away. (laughs) That was amazing. That was so great. Those teachers were the best. Every time our conversation goes the same and it's usually our phone call is most of the ride home because we're so energized by working with people. How fortunate we are to incorporate happiness in our lives in a way that helps other people at the same time. Yeah, that leads us right to the next one. Help people. Be nice to someone. This one has special meaning to me. I love to help. It brings me joy. But if you talk to anyone who's been on a service trip before, just talk to them after they come back. They're so happy. Doing something nice for someone brings them joy. Even if that person who went on the service trip has blisters all over their hands or feet from the service work they've done, or their back is aching because they slept on a mattress on the floor, they are gushing with happiness because they did something nice for someone. This also ties back into gratitude, that being grateful for what they have. Do those things. Be nice to people. The happiness it brings you, it just can't even be measured. We have a friend that we worked with and she was the massive thank you note writer. And you would always find little notes in your desk or maybe a little coffee card or some sweet little gesture that she recognized something that you had done. And those things brought a lot of happiness to us. But I also know that that helped her sense of gratitude and her sense of happiness in the doing of it. Imagining that Paul and I are going to go use our coffee card and we're going to be sitting at the coffee shop and she's understanding that that is going to bring joy to us, but it also brings joy to her. And she would always have such nice little thank you cards with those coffee cards. And she'd write just a thoughtful couple sentences. I aspire to be like that. That is a goal I want to do. I am not quite there yet. I'm sitting here smiling, thinking about her. I hope she smiles thinking about how doing those other things for people rewired her brain to increase her happiness. That's a good place to segue into our recap for today, because research has given us clues to things that we can do to increase our happiness. Happiness really is an inside job. You can train your brain to see things that make you happy. What will you look for today? 
In true teacher fashion, we end our podcast with homework. So our homework for you today is to do something in the next 24 hours to increase your happiness. If you find it worked for you, repeat it and then repeat it again. We won't be grading your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. So drop us a DM on Instagram or Facebook or send us an email. Let us know how are you increasing happiness in your life. And speaking of happiness, in closing today, if you are exhausted and overwhelmed in your work or life, we've created a free resource, the Inspired Teacher's Guide to Taking Back Your Life. You can head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com to find the link and grab the guide, or you can find it in the show notes. That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers. Or head to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.